1 Corinthians chapter 6, and beginning at verse 12. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things for lawful of me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. It's a very important statement right there. Meats for the belly, and the belly for meats. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. God hath raised up the Lord, and will also raise up us by his own power. Know not your bodies are members of Christ. Shall then take the members of Christ, and make them members of an harlot. God forbid. What know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. So, tonight we're looking at avoiding addictive habits. Um, One of the things in our standard sheet, church standards of church conduct for workers at Lighthouse Baptist Church, is to refrain from smoking, drinking, alcoholic beverages, use of drugs for recreational or mood-altering purposes. So, avoiding the addictive habits, smoking, drinking. And drugs. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open your word tonight. We thank you, Father, that it's the word of God has the answers to the issues of life. And so we pray as we look into the word of God tonight that you'd help us to have, help me to have clarity and wisdom in handling this passage of scripture and the subject at hand, that we might glorify and honor you in our bodies and our spirits, which are God's. For we've been bought with a price. And so we belong to you. And so I pray that you'd help us to be peculiar people, uh, zealous of good works that will glorify and honor thee. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now you may say, well, this really doesn't pertain to me tonight. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. I don't have prescription drugs or anything of that nature. But, you know, there's some things that, you know, some of these things are helpful for us to understand so that we can help others. That's what we're in this world for, is to help others in their walk through life. And of course, as you look in the world, look at the world, man is on a collision course of self-destruction. That's that's where they're headed. I remember when we were Pastor Webb and I went to the Bible conference in Missouri. Oh, that's been seven eight years ago now, I guess. Anyways, before COVID, and uh, you know, I think it, I think it was even before I became the pastor. It might have been the first time. And we were on the way back. We we didn't have seats together. We had separate seats. And so he was talking to this one man. Um, he was a young man, just living his life, and but he didn't really see his need of redemption. However, he did admit that his sinful habits were destructive to his life. You know, the wages of sin is death. Sin is destructive. And so, uh, you know, we we can understand these things that can be helpful to even to help people in the world understand their need of the gospel and realizing that these things are destructive. Sinful habits are destructive to the body. So anyways, we think about this tonight. 
in, in verse 12, Paul said, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Now, the word expedient means profitable. Uh, there are many things in the world that are useful to man, but, but can be dangerous and damaging if used wrongly. Uh, drugs are very helpful in many ways. But if they're abused, they can be very destructive and dangerous. Um, you know, it's just, they're just sort of like a knife. A knife can be used to obtain food, do surgical procedures, defend one's life, or can be used to kill someone, take someone's life. Uh, it can also be used to cut yourself. So, you know, plants are to, use, are to be used for food. There's plants that are to be used for food, and there are plants that are not to be used for food. You know, some people have this philosophy of, well, God made it, so it must be okay for use, right? Marijuana, God made it, so it's okay to smoke it. Well, God made poison ivy, too. Try smoking that. I had a cousin, farmer, that was burning a fence row. And he got fumes from poison ivy. And he ended up in the hospital. Poison ivy inside, in his lungs. Um, so, you know, not everything that is in the world is profitable for us. There are boundaries that God sets to everything. There's boundaries in the Bible that we need to understand. Uh, and, and so... So not all things are not profitable. And the second thing I want to notice here, he says that in verse 12 again, the end of the verse, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Now, not under the power of means to be brought under control or to be dependent on. Uh, You know, is alcoholic drink mood altering? Does it... Does it, does it bring one under its control? Well, the Bible speaks for itself in Proverbs 23 and, and uh, verse 29. Proverbs 23 and verse 29, it says, Who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contentions, who hath babblings, who hath wounds without cause, who hath redness of the eyes? They that tarry long with the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine, Look not thou upon the wine which is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent, and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women. This is what wine does to you. Thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of mass. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. So there's your addictive part to it. I will seek it yet again. So it's, it's, obviously it brings one of the power. Um, Ephesians 5 says in eight, verse 18, Be not drunk with wine where there is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now there is a biblical use for, for liquor. What is it? Proverbs uh, Yeah, Proverbs 31, verse 6. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish. So if you're dying and you need some medicine, 
There you go. There's a good use for it. If you need a narcotic, if you will, to cut the pain or dull the pain or, or, or help you in your dying days to, to cope, and you're dying, it's okay. It's, it's like a medicine. That's, that's the, the idea there. Uh, but you notice also that same passage says in verse 4, It is not for kings, O Lamia, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Well, drink can cause you to pervert judgment. I know we live in a world where doctors say that alcohol is medicinal. I had an uncle they prescribed it for. for, And I'm not sure why they prescribed it for him, but he was supposed to drink a beer a day. But I remember reading about a doctor who did autopsies on on those who drink alcohol, and and he asked this man who was a a uh, outspoken critic of alcohol to if he wanted to see the autopsy, and he said yes, I would like to see it. And so when he opened the man up, he said every every place in the body that alcohol touched was inflamed. It was inflamed. The body was fighting against it, rejecting it. So, but be that as it may, you know, we're not to be brought under the power of any. Uh, you know, our bodies are to be for the Lord. Notice in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6. <clears throat> excuse me. In verse 13, it says, Meats for the belly and the belly for meats. By the way, you can... You can destroy your body with meat also. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but the Lord, for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. So our body is for the Lord. Verse 19 and 20 again says, We're, our body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. You're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and our spirit, which are God's. So our bodies are for the Lord. Our bodies are to, are to be under the Lord's power the Lord's control. It's to be surrendered to the Lord and not under the power of any other, any substance. Uh, Mood-altering drugs, which have seen a drastic increase in use in the last number of years. And I believe the closer we get to the Lord's coming, I think they'll see greater and the greater the apostasy, which is depart from truth, I think we'll see it even more. And uh, you know, and new the latest thing, I don't know how new this is. You know, I don't I don't make it a habit to study all these this kind of stuff uh, all the time because you know I have no interest in it. So other than to warn people, but you know, one of the latest things is vaping. And I've heard you know said that vaping can help you get off of cigarettes. But and and so I googled what is vaping? It's the action or practice. This was a this was a Webster's definition. The action or practice of an inhaling and exhaling vapor containing nicotine and flavoring produced by a device designed for this purpose. And then I went to John Hopkins Medicine website and they gave 
Five facts you need to know about vaping. And this review was by uh, Michael Joseph Blah. He's an MD and MPH. Not sure what all that means, but he says, quote, if you thought about trying to kick a smoking habit, you're not alone. Near 7 of 10 smokers say they want to stop. Quitting smoking is one of the best things you can do for your health. Smoking harms nearly every organ in your body, including your heart. Nearly one-third of deaths from heart disease are the result of smoking and secondhand smoke. You might be tempted to turn to electronic cigarettes, e-cigarettes, vape pens, and other non-disposable and disposable vaping devices as a way to ease the transition from traditional cigarettes to not smoking at all. But is smoking e-cigarettes, also called vaping, better for you than using tobacco products? Can e-cigarettes help you stop smoking once for all? According to this Michael Blah, Director of Clinical Research at John Hopkins uh, Center for Prevention of Heart Disease. And so he gives five things. First of all, he says, vaping, uh, things you need to know. Vaping is less harmful than smoking, but it's still not safe. And he says, e-cigarettes heat nicotine extracted from tobacco, flavorings, and other chemicals to create, create an aerosol that you inhale. Regular tobacco cigarettes contain 7,000 chemicals, which, many of which are toxic. While we don't know exactly what chemicals are in e-cigarettes. He goes on and says, quote, There's almost no doubt that vaping exposes you to fewer toxic chemicals than smoking traditional cigarettes. However, there has been an outbreak of lung injuries and deaths associated with vaping. And that point goes on. Second thing he says about it is, research suggests vaping is bad for your heart and lungs. Quote, nicotine is the primary agent in regular cigarettes and e-cigarettes, highly addictive, causes you to crave a smoke and suffer withdrawal symptoms if you ignore the craving. Nicotine is a toxic substance. It raises your blood pressure, spikes your adrenaline, increases your heart rate, the likelihood of having a heart attack. Is vaping bad for you? There are many unknowns about vaping, including the chemicals which make up the vapor and how they affect physical health over long term. People need to understand that e-cigarettes are potentially dangerous to your health. Emerging data suggests links to chronic lung disease and asthma, as well as associations between dual use of e-cigarettes and smoking with cardiovascular disease. You're exposing yourself to all kinds of chemicals we don't yet understand and that are probably not safe. Unquote. Third thing he says is e-cigarettes are just as addictive as traditional ones. Quote, both e-cigarettes and regular cigarettes contain nicotine, which suggests search research suggests may be as addictive as heroin and cocaine. What's worse, says Blah, many e-cigarette users get even more nicotine than they would from a combustible tobacco product. Users can buy extra strength cartridges, which have a high concentration of nicotine, or increase the e-cigarette's voltage to get a greater hit of substance, unquote. You know, he, he says that this nicotine can even be more addictive than heroin or cocaine. We have a neighbor who used to do cocaine. He says it's easier to quit the cocaine than it is the cigarettes. Fourthly, electronic cigarettes aren't the best smoking cessation tool. Quote, although they've been promoted as an aid to help you quit smoking, e-cigarettes have not received Food and Drug Administration approval as smoking cessation devices 
recent study found that most people who intended to use e-cigarettes to kick the nicotine habit ended up continuing to use traditional and e-cigarettes. And then lastly, a new generation is getting hooked on nicotine because of the vaping. Quote, among youth, e-cigarettes, especially the disposable kind, are more popular than any traditional tobacco product. According to the 2021 National Youth Tobacco Survey, more than 2 million U.S. middle and high school students reported using e-cigarettes in 2021, with more than 8 in 10 of those youth using flavored e-cigarettes. And according to Blah, there are three reasons e-cigarettes may be particularly enticing to young people. First, Many, believe, many teens believe vaping is less harmful than smoking. Second, e-cigarettes have a lower per co- use cost than traditional cigarettes. And finally, use in adults find the lack of smoke appealing. With no smell, e-cigarettes reduce some of the stigma of smoking, unquote. But he says it's still addictive. You know, King don't care if it's a little less. As long as it's addictive, he gets you. Uh, drinking, you know, let's just think about the cost. You know, one of the things it says in Revelation, uh, I'm trying to remember where it says, they said, touch not the oil and the wine. You know, the rich like their drink, and we are a drinking world. And this article is entitled, Excessive Drinking is Draining the U.S. Economy. And it goes on, quote, says, quote, the cost of excessive alcohol use in the, U- in the U.S. rose to almost a quarter trillion dollars in 2010. Implementing effective community-based interventions can reduce excessive drinking its costs. Um, total costs, the cost of excessive alcohol use in the United States reached $249 billion in 2010, or about $2.05 per drink. That's what it costs the country. Most, 77% of these costs were due to binge drinking. And of course, that's defined as four or more alcohol beverages per woman or four or more drinks per man. Uh, further, two of every $5 were paid by federal and state and local governments, demonstrating that we are all paying for excessive alcohol use. So our government is one of the biggest consumers of it. Uh, Cost of drug abuse in the United States, $820 billion a year and growing. Uh, other costs to society of all these things, okay? Total cost to society for substance abuse goes beyond financial costs. Other costs include spread of HIV, AIDS, deaths from overdose, effects on unborn children, crime, unemployment, domestic abuse, divorce, homelessness, the, imper- the impact on workplace productivity. Drug abuse costs the nation more than $120 billion per year and lost productivity. According to the National Drug Intelligence Center, including in that lost productivity are reduced labor participation, incarceration, premature mortality, hospitalization, and participation in treatment programs away from work. Unquote. Now, People will say, well, what do you care? My drinking doesn't affect you. Oh, yes, it does. It's costing our country. Who's paying for that? We are, the taxpayers. There's no such thing as a free lunch. You know, when God says these things are, are harmful and destructive, they are. 
They are. They're, they bring a people into bondage. Of course, there's mood-altering drugs. Uh, there's... Uh, Let's see, where's this start? You know, I Googled this. Do antidepressants increase aggression? And this is what I got. Adolescents taking SSRIs, but not in adults. Another 2006 review of over 5,000 publications found that the use of SSRIs in adults might increase the chance of self-harm or violence toward others. Um, some of you, I don't know if you may have seen this, but Tucker Carlson had a thing about the relationship between prescription drugs and gun violence. And this was on uh, July 5th, 2022. And, and he said this, quote, Between 1991 and 2018, the total SSRI, this is prescription drugs, antidepressants and that kind of thing, in the United States rose by more than 3,000%. 3,000% between 91 and 2018. And Tucker shows how over that same period of time, suicides went up 35%. Now, these drugs are supposed to stop that. They're supposed to help that. And mass shootings didn't go down, but instead went up. And he went on to say, if you read the labels on these drugs, the concerning side effects are, quote, increased anxiety, agitation, irritability, hostility, aggressiveness, impulsivity, and mania. Unquote. Sounds like thing that's going to help your anxiety and your anger and your whatever. Prozac, most commonly linked to aggression, increasing violent behavior 10.9 times. This is all off the internet. Um, and there's a lot of others here. You know, they're 10, increase all these things by 10 times, 8.4 times, and I can't pronounce all these, all these names of them. Uh, but the, one of, the article said, as for why some people on antidepressants become more violent, study co-author Thomas J. Moore told Life Little mysteries that the exact cause of these behavioral changes remains unknown and requires further research. Several previous studies indicated that certain antidepressants also can increase the risk of suicide. Those results are harder to analyze because the rate of increase to suicidal tendencies varies depending on the age of the patient with the children and teenagers more vulnerable to suicide behavior when on antidepressants according to the FDA. Um, and, and, of course, this, this, this article here is talking about a study that was done in Pennsylvania by a nonprofit watchdog group that weighs uh, the argument that says that acts of violence toward others are a genuine and serious adverse drug event that is associated with a relatively small group of drugs, including 11 antidepressant drugs, the study said. So, again, as Christians... We're not to be brought under the power of any. We're not to be brought under the power of any. Uh, there is also in the Bible a relationship between drugs and demonism. Look at Revelation chapter 9. Revelation chapter 9. <clears throat> 
Revelation chapter 9. Verse 21 says, Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, or of their thefts. And I go to chapter 18 and verse 23. Chapter 18, verse 23. And the light of the candle shall shine no more at all in her. The voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in her. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. Uh, now, Strong's Concordance defines the word sorceries here as pharmakia, from which we get our word pharmacy. And, it, and again, it defines it in English as medication. Medication. Um. It goes on, the, the Strong's definition, okay, pharmacia, uh, medication, pharmacy, or i.e., by extension, magic, literally or figuratively, sorcery, witchcraft. Those are all def- defining this word, pharmacia, which is translated sorcery in our Bible. So, the biblical usage of the word, the biblical usage of the word, according to the Bible, is the use or the administering of drugs, poisoning, sorcery, magical arts, often found in connection with idolatry and fostered by it. And a metaphor is the deceptions and seductions of idolatry. So, so the word is used to describe all these things. Uh, Revelation 21.8 says, The fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and all and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is second death. Revelation 22.15, For without are dogs and sorcerers, dogs in the Bible refers to sodomites, sorcerers and whoremongers and adul- murderers and adulterers, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. And Again, it speaks of a drug-spell-giving potion. Now, you know, Tucker Carlson has quite a long series. I didn't watch all of them, but he did more than one broadcast following his assertion or suggestion that, that just maybe that these prescription drugs uh, are causing some of this gun violence in our world. Of course, you know, you know, it can't be that. It's not, it's not that. It's the guns. It's the guns. It's, you know, it's not the drugs. And then he gave a list of how many of them were on some kind of prescription drug. And, you know, when, often when people are um, out of control or threatening, or uh, violence, that's what they do. They take them to a psychiatrist or psychologist, and they put them on some kind of, or they're suicidal. Um, yeah. My brother was put on medication. Didn't keep him committing suicide, which it was supposed to. So as Christians, 
What is the Christian answer for the world's sources of relief from the pressures of the world and guilt? Well, John 8.31 says this, Then said Jesus those Jews which believed on him, If you continue my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free. See, many go on these addictions because they can't handle the pressures of life. Oftentimes they're consumed with past sins. But when we come to Christ, all sin is purged, cleansed, to be remembered no more. And we're to rest in that. But when a person goes on in their sin, there is continual guilt. I have a little booklet in my library called Nervous Christians. And it was written back in the 50s, I think, or early 60s, by a Christian psychologist, quote-unquote. Anyway, but you know what his prescription was for somebody who had anxiety or uh, depression problems? and Go to revival meetings. Basically, get right with God. He didn't tell them that. He didn't tell them to get right with God. But he would give them some things from the scriptures and he would tell them, look, you need to get into church under the preaching of the word of God. and It will help you. It will help you. See, God never intended for us to handle the guilt of our sin. Jesus Christ is a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So before you and I ever sin one time, Jesus, it was planned that Jesus would die for our sin. And the intention of God is that that sin of ours would be placed on him when we repent, acknowledge our need of him, and we'd be set free from the guilt of sin. And we could rest in him. Yeah, Psalm 55, of course this is particularly written to Christians, cast, verse 22, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be, be moved. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, in verses 18 to 21. Ephesians 5, 18 says, be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And, you know, to be filled with the Spirit means you're yielded to, you're allowing the Spirit of God to lead you and guide you and direct you and control you. you know, we, can, we can do one of two things. Either we're, we're trying to control ourselves, which oftentimes leads to guilt and despair, or we can let the Lord control us. And have the liberty of walking in the Spirit. And have a clean conscience before God. That's what that creates. Because our relationship with our Creator is right. So, be not drunk with wine where it is excess. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father of our Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, 
we're to we're to to speak to ourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So we need to fill our minds with things concerning our God, the power of our God, the glory of our God, the faithfulness of our God, the protection of our God. Making melody to Him and giving thanks for everything. Knowing if our mind is set on him, knowing that if we're, if we're continually thinking about the power and the glory and the, the protection and the, the promises of God, it, it, will, it will cause us to think about, even in difficult times, hey, God's here with me. God's already here. He promised never leave me nor forsake me so that they may be able to say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man should do unto me. That's a spirit-filled life. Spirit-filled life. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. Verses 5 through 7. Well, let's read verse 4 also. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. You know, if you're going to be rejoicing in the Lord, you're going to be thinking about him. Again, fill your mind with the goodness and greatness of our God. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful that is anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. When you're troubled, take it to God. Tell him about it. Ask him to carry it for you. Cast thy burden. That word cast is the idea like you're throwing the net. You throw it. And it goes into the water. You throw it. You throw it off of you. So, by... Be careful of nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. Now to the world, this idea is foolish. It's beyond their comprehension. Ah, that just won't work. How can I do that? Well, you have to know the God that can give you peace and the God that has the power to carry your burden. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Through the most difficult times you may be burdened about something but you can have the peace of God knowing that he is with you. He'll never leave thee. And then we're going to have this thought process. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest. You know, too often we're not truthful with ourselves. And then we have, we are in contention with God, we're in contention with others, because we're not, we're not honest with ourselves. 
Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with us. That's how Paul survived his missionary journeys. I mean, think about it, the things the man went through. Listed in what, 2 Corinthians 11. Beaten, shipwrecked, robbed, stoned, left for dead, people out to kill him constantly. How did he do it? He made his request known unto God and then rested in God to take care of his requests. See, he understood that God was bigger, more powerful, and, and had, was all-seeing and saw everything that he, that he faced. He, saw the, he understood the power of every person that he, that he faced. I mean, he faced government officials. But he understood that God rules over all. And if God so wills, he can deliver me out of the Philippian jail. All he has to do is send an earthquake. Really wasn't that complicated. When you really think about it. Or he can put the jailers, the guards, into a deep sleep. And while you open the gate, they don't wake up. And the gate just opens by itself. And so, you know, if we can think about it, we need to think about the God we serve and his promises. Cast our burdens upon the Lord. But if we don't cast our burdens upon the Lord, Satan can wear us down. You know, there's a reason why the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. And we're to yield to him. The word Comforter means, in the widest sense, a helper, one who aids, an assistant. So the Holy Spirit, destined to take the place of Christ with the Apostles, to lead them to a deeper knowledge of gospel truth, to give them divine strength needed to enable them to undergo trials and persecutions on behalf of the divine kingdom. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. That's why he says, be not drunk with wine where there's excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Because he's our aid. He's our aid. He's the one that can give us divine strength. You know, the devil wants you dependent on addictive substances. God wants you dependent on his spirit and guided by his word. Yield your burdens to the Lord, your cares to the Lord. And rest in him. Who cares for you?
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your time in your word tonight. Thank you for the truth of thy word. Thank you for the promises. Thank you for that we know that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you for the comfort of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us to give us assurance and confidence and peace in the midst of a troubled and traumatic world. So help us just to rest in him, to be yielded to him on a daily basis. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.